You're listening to The Chamber Connection, a monthly podcast from your Fargo-Moorhead West Fargo Chamber of Commerce, where we go behind the scenes to talk about business, community, and leadership, and uncover what's shaping our region and our future. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Chamber Connection. I'm your host, Darren Dunlop. Today we are talking about culture, and I'm thrilled to be here and welcome Curtis Karn, Manager of Global Talent Acquisition Consulting at Wex Health. Curtis, thank you so much for being here today. You bet. Thanks for having me, Darren. You know, uh, we've, we've had a couple of conversations, and I know you've done some presentations for the Chamber of Commerce uh, regarding corporate culture. And I guess the first thing I want to do is, so is culture more than just not hating every second of work that you're at? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I think that's a great definition of it, right? You get um, you get numerous definitions of, of company culture or workplace culture, but really it's the people enjoying where they're at for different reasons. If that's, you know, engagement, it's challenge, it's uh, opportunities to grow. All of those things, I think, really kind of roll into what culture is. I always say culture is more of a feeling than a definition. And you ask people what's your culture like, and you can explain it to an extent, but you know it when you feel the right culture, I think is the thing. Uh, You know it's when it's not there as well. Mm -hmm. You notice that something's missing. So I think it's one of those things that's got a definition, but it's also got an intangible aspect to it as well that people have to kind of feel to, to understand. It, it seems like this has become a, a key buzzword for um, for workforce these days. You know, as, uh, as, as, as our workforce, of course, gets younger, um, culture seems to be more important to those employees. And um, so can you even point a finger at when did culture become more important or did just old people like me just totally disregard that? No, I think it was there. I just don't think it was a focus, right? Because you look back in the days of what industry was, manufacturing, things like that. It was, you go to work, you get your job, you get your paycheck, you go home, right? Um, and people hated their jobs. You heard about that, right? But it didn't matter because you had a job because of times it came up, you know, Great Depression, the wars, all those things were at least kind of, I guess, workplace structure got set up, uh, you know, back in time, the eight to five and, and things like that. But I think as it came forward, people realized, you know, why do I have to stay somewhere that I hate, <laughs> you know, for a job? And so I think as we started to grow in um, organizations and as we continue to move forward, people just started bringing it up. I think it was always there. It just wasn't such a buzzword, if you will, um, on that. And it's and so more and more focus was going towards it because as we get into like our industry now, like you can work anywhere, really, technically, but people want to work places that they enjoy working. And that's what's going to you know, attract people, retain people, keep them there. So I think it's always been present. I just don't think people really focused on it. Um, like you said, us old people, I think you know it the same thing. Even when I say you know what it is and it's not, you know what culture is. And so I don't think it's a, it's a specific generational thing because everybody kind of has their own feel of it. Um, each generation kind of wants something different. But um, actually, you know, I'm going to nerd out on you with a little bit of statistics here. I have uh, I've got some generational things here. There's a, a company that did a, a tw- 2021 global culture um, report. They're called OC Tanner Institute, and they kind of had a breakdown of all the different generations and baby boomers, Gen X, millennials, Gen Z and how important culture is to each one of those generations. And even if you go back, baby boomers, it was 45 percent. Gen X was 40. Uh, millennials 41 and then Gen Z is 51 
Hmm. So the Gen Z is actually most interesting in culture, and that has a lot to do with how they're brought up. You know, they want a place that's going to uh, mean something to them. They want their work to mean something. They want to make an impact. And so that culture is a little bit more. But you can see they're all right around that 40 to 50 mark. So I don't think that it's something that hasn't been there. I just think that people are now calling it out and starting to talk more about it because it's 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 a big part of why people go to a place and stay to a place. Mm-hmm. Well, and I guess I, I, with the uh, unemployment numbers that we're seeing, not only regionally, um, but nationally, mm-hmm. um, it does give people more flexibility as well because there's no reason to stay in your job just for the fear of not ever getting another job because there are opportunities out there. And so maybe people are looking past you know, not hating every second right. of their job, right? Yeah, and it, and it's and it's going to have other things that come into play too. You know, with everything that's happened with the the pandemic and people having opportunity to work at home in some instances. You know, not all instances, but you're going to see a big change. And that's one of the focuses I think of 2021 is what's that transformation of culture going to look like as we move forward? Um, it's going to be different. There's going to be different things that people are going to be looking for. Some organizations, um, like the one that I work for, we've been working from home we've been lucky to be able to work from home for the past you know almost a year um, and continue to do business and continue to grow as an organization not always the case anywhere else when you have places where you need people to be there it's a little bit different but we have to realize too is that culture is going to change regardless there's new safety protocols there's new things that are put into place that are just going to be different so you'll see things probably change a little bit more as we continue to move forward and you know if you have a crystal ball or you know what that's going to be like, you know, write a book and you'll have a, a million dollars if you know what it's going to be. Um, but I think we're going to have to react to it uh, a little bit more, too. But that flexibility part that you talked about is with unemployment, some jobs and opportunities now have really bubbled up that you can really work from all these different places. So companies that have that flexibility are going to have to pull on that a little bit to keep these employees. Because if you have somebody that really likes to work at home and then you say they have to go back in the office, they have an opportunity to say, well, man, I don't want to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to go over here um, to do that. Something else. So flexibility is going to fall into that, that cultural ba- basket too. I kind of feel like. Yeah. Curtis, I, I'm glad that you brought up the, the, the pandemic, of course, it's been in the news for mm-hmm. a while, yeah. you know, but um, you know, especially on um, with the talent acquisition and being you focus in on talent, what are you seeing as far as some of the challenges um, the companies are going to have, you know, such as team building and professional development in the virtual age that we're working in. Um, are those challenges that uh, that Wax is seeing and, and that you're seeing in the industry as well? Yeah, I think it's it's different. It's one of those things where we used to be able to just go all go into a boardroom and have a conversation, right? Or go into a, a room somewhere in your organization and have that conversation. It's moving more virtually on, on that side. And I think you're going to see a digital transformation of how you're going to have to look at things. Um, especially with opportunities of people being able to work from home and working everywhere, you're really going to have to take the approach of go virtual first and then in-house. So how are we going to uh, um, you know, connect with our virtual employees first and foremost and then in-house and can kind of combine those? And you see that even with some of the presentations and things that are going on now, right, where people are having events. You guys are having uh, events and presentations where it's kind of in-person but virtual. Uh, people can access it, but they're still... Uh, a personal aspect to it. I think you're going to see a lot of things kind of transforming that way from trainings to other things, but it's also freed up a lot of um, time for people, I think too, because now instead of me having to be at a training within my organization from one to two, that training can be recorded. 
I can watch that on my own time. So you have other people that are actually doing a lot in advancement of their careers because they're having opportunities to watch virtual trainings and other things that companies are really pumping out because you don't want your, your workforce to become stagnant in what they're doing. You want to keep them learning, keep them growing, keep them advancing. So a lot of companies are now going to more of a virtual aspect of that if everything's recorded and then you can access it at any time. Um, especially like big announcements or things like that when you have an organizations because not everybody can be on a live stream from 12 to one, you know, Eastern time or whatever, mm -hmm. whatever it's set up so they can record it and then set it out. So you're seeing that transition happen quite fast actually. Are there, um, are there things specifically that organizations can do to <clears throat> kind of accentuate their culture and their team building? I know we're talking about the virtual things, but um, I, it's got to be so difficult for organizations in this virtual workplace that we're in now to really promote what that corporate culture is. So how does, you know, how does a company really go about that? Yeah, you know, I think it first starts with their core values, right? Um, starting with what those are going to look like, what they are within their organization. Those should really resonate with through the company. And that's really how, if you're looking for talent or if you're looking for a job, you know, I always tell people, go to company websites. You know, we want you to see who we are and what we do and what we believe in and get a feel for that culture from our website. And look at those core values. You know, do those resonate with you? in any way, shape, or form. You connect with one or more of those core values within that organization. That's where it's really going to start because if you can look at a company and none of their core values resonate with you, guarantee you're not going to want to work there. Um, so you have to find some sort of a connection on that. And so as an organization, I always say, put those out there, show those to people, brag about those. Um, and the other thing you see a lot of companies do too is giving back to the community or other things that are happening within their organization that showing their employees doing it. I think a lot of companies want you to see the things that their employees like doing and showcasing their employees as well. It gives a real, real feel to it as well um, on that side. So again, when you go into those um, websites to see what that feel is, being able to grasp, oh, wait, that's something that I would want to do or what they're doing right now is something that really interests me on that side too. So it'd be like the recognition and the acknowledgement of, of, of the work and the whether it's volunteer or internal. Yeah, absolutely. And, and recognition is a big thing. Um, and I think you, it's, you're even going to see that kind of increase more here through uh, the next year or so with the cultural side of it. Because again, we're all separate, right? How do you get that recognition of being able to be um, told praise or things of that nature? And so you'll see a lot of companies probably going back and finding a way to do that that's a little bit more meaningful, I think, to their employees. Because I can recognize you for something great, but if it's got nothing behind it, it's just a pat on the back. And some people really enjoy that aspect of it. But I think you're going to see companies that are going to be much more intentional with their recognition, um, much more um, honest and, um, you know, have the meaning behind it. Because as an employee, that's what I want to feel. You know, I want to feel that I'm, I'm worth, I'm valued within my organization and my leaders and my, my coworkers recognize that in me. So I think you're going to see a lot of companies that are going to take a step back because to be honest, I think 2020, we were just trying to figure it out, right? We were trying to stay afloat. Let's be real. Everybody's noses were just above the waterline, and we were all, you know, paddling our feet as, as much as we could to stay uh, without sinking in the deep end. And we've gotten through that, and now as we've kind of fallen back into maybe what's going to happen in the next year, you know, I think Google just put out that they're not going to be back in their offices till September, um, and then people 
we can kind of stay indefinitely is really what they're going to do. So now that we're doing that, if you don't have people come in the offices, how are you connecting with those employees? How are you making that recognition known? How are you doing that? So I think you're going to see a lot of companies take a much more intentional approach to that and, and really try and figure out what that recognition um, process looks like to their employees um, for their organizations and, and drill down in it a little bit more. Okay. Um, Curtis, I'm going to change gears just a little bit here. Um, but one of the things that the chamber has learned, and we just, uh, of course, in January, we had our state of the cities and we did some, um, in, you know, we had some, some questionnaires that we sent out and, um, live polling that we Mm -hmm. did during the event. And for, I believe it's the fourth year in a row, workforce, workforce, workforce is the number one concern that all of our employee employers have here. And I think that. Um, one of the things that we've recognized, and I would like your input on this, is that our community appears to be very, mm, we've the impression of being very homogenous up here. Inclusion and diversity is something that it, it's very difficult for us to recruit talent and retain talent here. So I guess um, I'm curious if you could maybe speak a little bit about how we can change our culture to really focus a little bit more into the diversity and the inclusion aspect to make our our community a little more welcoming and maybe a little more, um, not that we're not welcoming, but perhaps appear more welcoming to uh, people outside of our region. Yeah, you bet. And I think you'll see this is going to be another trend i think moving forward too is working at that inclusion of diversity and a diverse workforce and what that looks like um you know you see companies again are starting to refocus on a lot of these things and i think the big thing they have to do is you have to make it intentional right it has to be talked about consistently you have to have more than just one seminar on on uh, unconscious bias to to really make an inclusive type workforce and so focusing back in on it and finding out what you can do to bring it to the top, to make sure you're having conversations on it, you know, build it into the everyday employee experience. So it's not something that's new. It's not something that's foreign. It just becomes part of your organization. And that's not going to happen overnight. You're going to have to consistently focus on it and do a lot of different things. Um, you know, our organization has numerous employee um, resource groups that people can join that are have different backgrounds, different um, uh, uh, things that they've grown up with doing uh, regionally, um, you know, um, background is different, um, orientation is different, sexual orientation is different, anything like that where people can join and feel like they're part of a group of similar aspects. And then those groups will put on seminars so that people who are maybe unfamiliar with that type of group can come in and, and learn more about it. And they do that pretty consistently, and it's been absolutely fantastic. Um, I got to sit in on um, one actually yesterday for our um, Latin uh, community within our organization. And it was great to just learn more about the background, the history of some of the people that were working in our organization. Um, and then they did a couple crazy things that were really fun. You know, they made some drinks and, uh, um, had some stories and cooked a little bit. And so it's like, you got to feel like you were a part of that, that group. And, and it was fantastic because being born and raised in the Midwest, you know, I didn't know a lot of that because that wasn't part of my background, mm-hmm. but them opening their arms to say, Hey, we'll include you in that to be able to learn more about us 
as uh, in, in our background was great as, as within the organization. So that was so much fun to get in on that group and, and learn a little bit more on that. But you have to be intentional about it. You have to give your employees opportunities to do these things, to uh, maybe form these groups or have some conversations about that, to be able to have people intermingle so that you can learn more about the diverse backgrounds of everybody else. And if you open it up to, like you talk about it being maybe a little bit uh, similar around here within our area, if you open that um, aspect of you can work anywhere, you have people from other regions within the United States and other backgrounds and things like that coming into organizations that are here, technically, uh, physically, um, but then can work in that, that you know, technology space of not necessarily being here, more remote on that too. And I would assume that um, your employees are probably the best headhunters that you have. Absolutely, that's the, your number one. That's your number one way is referrals, you know. And that's an age-old thing, you know. Um, is that's typically how most companies will get their best mm -hmm. employees is referrals. Um, and it's really interesting too because you know being an employer in, in the Fargo Moorhead area with numerous physical locations, you know, I think we have three actually <laughs> within town here. We still branch out. Um, you know, we work, I work for an international company and people have relatives and friends and uh, other acquaintances all over. And so when they hear that people are looking for jobs, it's a huge opportunity um, from that side of it to be able to do it. That's where we get our best people um, because, you know, talking about culture, those individuals are in the culture they understand the culture. They know what it feels like. They can maybe vocalize that to the individual that they're trying to recruit uh, mm -hmm. on that side. And if it's a good fit, um, and then they want to come and work at that place too. So it's a huge draw for, for that side of it. Curtis, one of the things, and, and I, I've heard this from several of our local business owners, is they hire for personality and they'll train for skill. Can a company hire for culture? And train for skill? You know, skills are one of those things that is, you can train anything, right? I mean, I joke that nobody has a degree in COBRA insurance, um, you know, and <laughs> no, no, right? Yeah, right? No, who knew it? You, you can't tell me when I was growing up that I was like, you know what? I'm so absolutely interested in, in employee benefits and healthcare technology when I'm a seven-year-old, that that was going to be when I grew up, right? But now I'm doing that, and I'm in that space, and I love it. So I think those those things are, are things that you can teach. And I think from a, a cultural standpoint, I think it's hard to say you can hire on culture because it's really hard to define that, right? Um, but I think you can hire on um, their ability to critical think, the ability to um, work through a problem, the ability to vocalize and communicate um, on that. And if some of those things fit into your culture or are part of some of your core values, you know, communication, um, integrity, um, community, things like that, if those are things that you're, are part of your core values, I think you can kind of tie that into it. Skills you can teach, but I don't think you can just say, I'm gonna hire directly on culture because it's so open on that side. There's got to, there's got to be a fit within the organization. And again, that usually goes back to what does the company stand for in some way, shape or form. But yeah, you can teach skills. And I think that's the, the hard part is we have a lot of um, thought process, I think, from the past in hiring is, um, you know, I need a rock star to come in and do this job. And or I need another Jim or I need another Sally. And the, the reality is you'll never have another Jim. You'll never have another Sally. Um, and if your idea as a hiring manager is to hire a rock star just so I don't have to train this person, probably shouldn't be in a leadership position in my book because that's not your job is to have somebody come in and do really well at their work so that you have less work. Your job is to bring somebody in on your team to make them successful and succeed in what they're doing. And that's what you should be doing uh, on that side. And again, that falls back into 
company culture too is what kind of a, a growth mindset the, the organization has with its employees too um, but I think if you hire more on potential you're going to get a lot better uh, than just hiring for the everything that's needed for the role on that mm-hmm. side. Well, we do have breaking news here that uh, a young seven-year-old Curtis Carn was career-pathing <laughs> for a life, uh, a career in Cobra and health yeah, benefits. Health benefits at and seven years old. Yeah. My God, I, that that this is this is this is earth-shattering. It is. You know, and, you know, you look back at all those uh, pictures that I was drawing: astronaut, <laughs> scientist, uh, you know, physician, um, baseball player, football player. It turns out they were all just me being in healthcare. You know, so who knew? Man, that's fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) So, Curtis, with uh, everything that we've talked about so far, um, you know, as a... I'm not going to call you an expert, but you're uh, you're you're as close to an expert that we have in oh, this room yeah. <laughs> on culture. So, um, if you had to look into your crystal ball right now, what do you think is the next best thing when it comes to corporate culture? Yeah, I think um, it's it's going to do and have to come with a lot of the things that we talked about from remote aspect of it and some of these. I think you're going to see it's going to be kind of that technological aspect and creating it to be more human. Um, you know, if you will, um, there's gonna be a digital transformation of some things, but it needs to have a human element to it. You know, we're, we're driving so much with technology. So I'm, I think you're gonna see a lot more uh, of companies being much more intentional on connecting with their employees, much more intentional on engagement with their employees, um, really bringing in that human element as much as possible. Um, to really make sure that you're connecting with them because that's the hardest part with a lot of the things that's going on, right? Again, if you're in a, if you're in like a, a space that's more manufacturing where you need to be in the building, there's safety protocols where you need to be a certain space around from the other person. You can't eat in the same facility, things like that that are happening. So mm-hmm. we're losing that connectedness. Um, even though we're all brought together still from technology and some other things, we're losing some of that basic uh, human connectedness. And so I think you're going to see a lot of companies refocus on that. How do we connect with our employees again? How do we make sure that they're feeling um, that they're still uh, very much needed within the organization, that we still want them to grow, um, and just really focusing on on them within the organization. So taking a really human approach to uh, the cultural aspect of it, which should always be there, but it's harder to do uh, when you're not in the same building uh, a lot of the times on that. You know, I think that, uh, you know, and obviously employers realize how expensive it is for new hires. And perhaps if they start taking in, uh, you know, a much more holistic look at um, at corporate culture Mm -hmm. and realizing that if you can make if you are able to retain your employees, um, it's going to be not only on your bottom line, but also the culture aspect of it as well. So, you know, I don't know if you could speak a little bit about the, you know, just the expense side of if you lose somebody because they just don't like your, I mean, that's costing you money, not only losing that person, but the time to train a brand new person yeah, into I, that position. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think you see different numbers across the board, but it can be, you know, up to, I think like three to six times the salary of the individual that you're actually bringing in. On that, I mean, you see a lot of different things. You hear $40,000, you hear $25,000. But I mean, when you think of that as the bottom line, it's really the case, right? If you have somebody that's come in, you put time and effort into them and they're gone in nine months, 
that's basically you've lost a year worth of salary for a person to get them up and trained and then they're gone. Um, and so there's a huge dollar amount and a huge financial aspect to <laughs> that engagement and that retention right away, which is why you see companies focus so much on their onboarding within an organization. You know, those first six months are so crucial to an employee feeling like they are connecting with an organization. And that connection is even harder now if you're starting remote. Um, on that side. So you have to be really intentional on what's going on. You have to make sure they feel like they're connected and what's going on. You have to make sure they're getting their questions answered. You have to make sure that they're understanding the trainings and those things are happening because if you put all that time and effort into that individual and then they're gone in six months, again, the monetary aspect is, is so big, but then also you have to start from scratch mm -hmm. on that too. And so I, I think you'll see also another refocus internally on employees and, and companies. I think there's always been an age-old thought process of again we need a new gym or we need a new sally um go find one somewhere outside of the organization well your best recruiting should start internally within your organization mm. they're people that understand the culture they may not understand the role exactly but they've got some sort of basics behind what's going on within that position that's the group that you should really be growing um mm. uh in there and that's where you should always start in my mind of, of some of these uh, opportunities within organizations is internal as well you know, Curtis, when we when we first started talking about this a couple of weeks ago, um, you gave me a startling number about the num the percentage of employees who are currently looking for open positions. Um, I would love it if you would share that and a little bit of your commentary uh, on that particular number. Yeah, I think was that like ninety one percent? Was that the one I gave you? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's it's kind of crazy is that people will start new jobs. And 91% of people will be openly looking within the first three months um, for, for another role. And not like necessarily like looking to jump ship right away, but they're keeping their options open. So that tells you right there, they're not fully engaged in what, what's going on with their current role um, on that side. And they're not opposed to seeing what else is out there. And so again, you, you look back at why you have to make that connection so quickly with your new employees um, and and make sure that you're uh, getting them into the culture, making sure that they feel like they belong. Because um, you know, as, as a new employee, you, your first day in an organization, you know, like typically as a human being, your question's like, well, where do I fit? You know, where do I fit within the organization? We're a little selfish as humans. It's, you know, it's the I factor first. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, where do I go? Where do I belong? What do I do? And so you really have to help paint that picture for them so that they understand kind of where they fit within the organization, what their role is going to be, why their role is just as important as the person across the hall from them or across the United States as them uh, in, a, in a different role or the same role um, so that they feel like they can be successful in that, in that role and uh, position. And the more and more companies get more intentional about it, I think you're going to see that number going down. But that number is also based off of the opportunities as well, right? Like we talked about a little bit earlier is you used to have an opportunity where, hey, I work at this place. I can go to work across the street for 50 cents dollar more per hour to get paid that, um, but only if that company is hiring. Well, now that company is exponentially grown because you have numerous companies <laughs> all over the United States hiring for that role. And so now instead of just going across the street for 50 cents or dollar, they can go to Nevada, they can go to Florida, they can go to all these other places where these companies are housed um, for 50 cents or more an hour. So the competition is mm -hmm. just there so much more. So they have opportunity to look for different opportunities again. And again, if you don't engage them and get them 
connected with what your company culture kind of feels like and stands for, then they're already looking. Yeah. One of the quotes that I wrote down when we uh, when we first started visiting with this was, you know, back in the old days, um, companies had the attitude that you as an employee, you're lucky to be working for us. And now that has really completely flipped that the employee is saying, you know what, you're lucky to have me working for you. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, 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 I really, really like that. So, yeah, and we're going to see that more and more too is, again, just because of the opportunities that people have um, and that mindset, you know, there's a lot of people looking and yes, I'm very proud of my organization, but I also have to realize, hey, you as an applicant, you have a lot of other places you can go. So I always say when I'm doing interviews, you know, interviews are a two-way conversation. You know, it's not me just interrogating the individual. It's a conversation between two to find out, hey, are you a fit for my company? But then also they're saying, am I a fit for you as a company, right? So they're they're getting that feel as well. So they're like, I have to like you as much as you like me to make this fit as an organization or make this feel like a successful um, partnership between the two. It's not just a one-way street anymore of, of me saying, you check all the boxes, you're hired. Um, and that person saying, great, that's all I want is that job, you know, where I can come in and come in and check out and check my box and get paid. It's not that easy. It's not that easy. No, wow. it's crazy, isn't it? You know, so, I mean, sometimes maybe, but, you know, it, I don't think it should be. Maybe that's just me. Uh, you know, I, Curtis, we're going to wrap up here. I've got a, I got one kind of a tricky final question oh, here great. for you. Yeah, I know you love these sort of <laughs> things, but I guess what's the one biggest takeaway you'd like our listeners um to take a, to walk away from this episode, uh, learning or understanding about corporate culture. Yeah, I would I would say my thing is is focus back on your employees. If if you're a company that's uh, trying to find what your your corporate culture is, you know, ask your employees what they think it is. What what does it feel like to work there? What does it feel like to spend a day in the organization with the people I work with? Um, you know, typically when you have a company that is doing well and has a successful company culture you know 99 percent of the time when people ask them why do you work here they say the people right and that's typically the case and that's driven from however that culture was started within that organization from ceo from whoever started it up and ties that into the core values those people fit into those core values and believe in that organization so that's why you hear the people are always always the case so i would say focus back on your employees if you're having a cultural problem ask them what they like and what they don't like. That's the big thing that I don't think companies do enough of is talk to your employees or poll your employees. Um, you might not like the results, but at least you know what's going wrong, right? And so if you you don't have a company culture that you're really proud of or that you think is going to be where you want your organization to go, ask your employees what they what where they think it, it is or should be or feels like within that organization. You may find out that your direction is completely different than what they are. Well then. There has to be a parting of the ways. Either you stay on your road or you find employees that buy into the culture that you want to provide as an organization because that's really what makes an organization is the employees, right? Yeah, and, you know, I, I we're, we are just scratching the surface on, on culture and um, corporate ideals and how to retain workforce and stuff. So I guess as we go, Curtis, would you could you maybe just give uh, – give people some resources if, mm-hmm. if they want to find out more about corporate culture you know what are some really good resources that you've been uh, that you're aware of that could that could help some local employers yeah absolutely I mean podcasts are still big right now um, with everything that's out there it's a really easy quick way to go find some things anything by Simon Sinek is gonna be a, <laughs> a sell in my book he 
breaks, if you want to focus on culture or growth, whatever, he always puts it down to the, the human being. So I love the stuff that he puts out uh, on that side. Anything is going to sound kind of silly, but I feel like anything that Netflix has touched at some point, there's been a couple different things. They put out a book, Patty McCord, who is their former chief of, uh, of people or chief, chief of culture officer um, at Netflix. She really invented the, the culture deck the Netflix culture deck, um, and they kind of put that together. You can go out and just Google it. So you can go Google culture deck and see kind of what Netflix did on that. And then I just recently saw that um, they put out a new book. There was a new book out there. Where did I wrote this down? <laughs> oh, here it is. The No Rules Rule um, by Reed Hastings, who uh, was the founder, I believe. Um, so there's a lot of good stuff on that side from Netflix. Um, with it but those are a couple of them and then some new podcasts coming out there's a podcast called Better which is from the company that does Great Place to Work which is a global organization that focuses on culture um, they have a little podcast out there too um, uh, Culture Happens is the CEO of HubSpot you know technology based organization that you know tries to stay ahead of the curve with a lot of different things um, and then Make It Thrive um, which is by a cultural consultant uh, named Lizzie Benton and so those are just some ones that I was starting to get in, in touch with a little bit more on that side too. But um, if you want an easy start, like I said, start with Simon Sinek and you can kind of branch out from him. <laughs> I've even heard of him. Right? There you go. He's great. Yeah, he's great. His <laughs> podcast's great. Like, he's just, he's just a good, good guy to listen to for sure. <laughs> well, Curtis, first of all, thank you very much for sharing your expertise on this matter. Uh, we, we hear about culture all of the time. And the big thing is is workforce, and mm -hmm. obviously it's an important category and an important um, topic for all of our employers. Um, and obviously, when we start doing live polling and we're seeing it, you know, seeing the actual numbers, it is, and culture plays a huge part in that. So, uh, thank you again for the fascinating conversation, Curtis, and thank you all for listening today. If you are interested in learning more about culture or any of the work other workplace topics, I invite you to check out the Chamber's Business Training Series, which we've had the good fortune of having Curtis <laughs> speak at before. Um, with events held monthly, you can hear from local people uh, on leadership, marketing, sales, uh, customer service, and all sorts of different things. So always visit us at fmwfchamber.com for a lineup of upcoming events. And I'm very much looking forward to having you join us again at our next episode of the Chamber Connection. Thank you and have a great day.